This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories or any announcements make sure you write us feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com if you're announcing a first solo if it's you or a friend of yours we'll probably just mention their first name or a first job or getting a type rating or anything like that uh, definitely send us an email feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com and here with us today is somebody who's uh, not been on the podcast for a little while but I mention him a lot in the show because I see him quite a bit and that is Eric Crump, Eric, welcome back to the podcast, man. Hey, Carl, thanks for having me back. I thought you mentioned me a lot because I was your role model. I well, a role model, or a spirit certain, animal, is that yeah, a spirit animal? more like that, a spirit animal? But role model, I'm not so sure, Eric. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be put in that same league because that's so way above me. I don't. You don't want to be young and attractive again? Uh, never, no, that won't ever happen again. But uh, <laughs> let's get, let's get honest about that one. But. <laughs> I've Eric. missed all you guys. Um, it's it's been a long time, but I'm I'm thrilled to get back on the podcast and talk about aviation. Awesome. Well, Eric, uh, we're at, we're so happy to have you here because we have a lot of things we're going to talk about that it, uh, apply to you, your school, and also. Um apply to the FAA medical that you got in some instances there. Hey, before we get started, though, Eric, I just want to mention to those out there, the scholarships guide has been updated for the June 2019 version. It contains 31, 31 new scholarships and 10 changes. And in May, by the way, we had 25 new scholarships. So between May and June, we've got 56 new scholarships just in the past month. And to get that guide, it's only 10 for one-year access. Also, if you're someone that wants to buy a guide for somebody else and pay it forward, look at our Pay It Forward program. It enables you to buy a scholarships guide for only $10. And what we do is we create another coupon, Pay It Forward coupon. If you buy five of those scholarships guides, we're going to give away one for free just for you paying it forward. So just check it out, pay it forward. There's a short little video that I'll tell you a little bit about that. Anyway, on to other announcements. Uh, Eric, uh, I guess we have a couple of announcements from you. So uh, why don't you go ahead with your announcements and I'll make mine. Oh, sure. Well, for those that haven't heard me on the podcast in a while or haven't gone back and listened to the many um episodes where Carl and I ridiculed each other for fun. Um, by day, I run the Polk State Aerospace Program in Lakeland, Florida. It is a passion project of mine that started in 2013 and has become sort of like my third child. Um, I love the program. I love everything about it, what it does, the difference it makes in people's lives. And that's one of many things I get to do with my good friend, Carl. Um, and so that's cool, too, that we get to share in that. But on the good news front uh, from Polk, a couple of announcements just to keep people up to date. We were very thrilled to uh, start a brand new program for us. It's our first non-credit program, meaning outside of the traditional degree structure, and it's for aircraft dispatcher certification. Um, we're hearing from a lot of people that are interested in this field. Um, I think they're maybe hearing uh, people like you, Carl, talking about what's going on in this industry and seeing the tide change that's coming and realizing that dispatch is a great field as a primary career or for pilots. 
um, as a secondary, you know, um, I don't want to call it a fallback job, but definitely a secondary certification that uh, that career airline pilots should consider carrying around in their back pocket as uh, as an additional option uh, for their career as well. Um, and so we just completed our inaugural class of the dispatch program. Next class starts in about two weeks from the date of this recording. Um, we have classes running daytime and nighttime year round. It's a daytime course uh, runs from eight to five during the day, five days a week for five weeks, um, which is insane to me. Um, and the night class runs from six to 10 for 10 weeks. So it's just crazy that in that short period of time, you can learn how to be an airline captain, but without the flight training, basically it's the same test, it's the same knowledge test, same practical test, um, just without the actual flying skills uh, that any airline pilot would have to go through um, and walk into a uh, fifty to $55,000 a year job uh, right out of the gate with uh, with that level of training. It's, it's amazing. It's a testament to the structure of the training the FAA requires, um, but we're, we're thrilled to be able to offer that program. I like to say it's the uh, only program of its kind in Florida west of I-95. And if you look at a map, you'll see why that's really interesting. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I-95 is pretty much the east coast of Florida, so we've got a huge territory with which to pull from. Um, we're thrilled to watch that program grow. Each course is uh, people capped at 25, so we have plenty of class seats in each in each offering, and we're we're thrilled to be able to do it. So, and thanks for letting me spread the word about it, Carl. Yeah. Now, if I want to go and look at this program, how do I find it again? So it's very simple. Just come to our website, polk.edu/aerospace, and right there on that page, you'll see aircraft dispatcher certification. You click on that. There's some information about the program, cost, time, materials, all that sort of stuff. Um, and there's a big blue button that says apply now. Um, and that's you click that and the rest of it is is uh, taken care of for you. Wow. Well, congratulations on that program. That's actually just a, another just piece of this whole program in aerospace, a very important piece that I'm so happy that you guys are actually putting forth. And it's one of those careers some people just don't think about. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Just like you said, it's like being an airline captain, but not actually in the airline or actually in the airplane. Yeah, the dispatcher is the non-flying pilot, basically, um, and it uh, it's a really fascinating job. The more, I mean, it's not something I do for a living, but the more I've learned about it um, and setting the program up and going through FA approval with it and everything, um, it's just it's fascinating the role of the dispatcher, the role that they play, um, often behind the scenes. And when we talk about dispatch, most people think that's the uh, the air traffic controller. I was like, no, that's a whole other. This is a whole other job that no one knows about. Um, and I mean, we we've talked about this before, Carl. But especially in aviation, people look at you know pilot and mechanic, you know, and right. and maybe occasionally they see air traffic controller. But I think most people are just totally unaware of all the options that exist inside this amazing field. And and it's not just the 121 airlines, 135 uh, flight operations, Part 91 um, uh, business. Uh, travel, uh, corporate, uh, use dispatchers in some larger operations. Um, and it's it's an interesting job in that, like a pilot, it has a lot of different flavor to it based on uh, what type of operation you work in, whether it's people or cargo, long haul international. There's all sorts of different options. The But the thing that fascinated me the most um, about the whole dispatcher thing is that you actually get a crew badge um, as a dispatcher, and dispatchers are encouraged to uh, to jump seat in many cases, to understand what the pilots are actually doing. Um, so you, if, you, if, you want it, if you want the view 
but you don't want to have to do the <laughs> the work of the pilot. Uh, it's an interesting opportunity, I think. What a what a cool job and oh, yeah. great uh, great pay scale, um, outstanding work schedule um, as well. Uh, it's it's I mean actually the more I got into it, I sort of joked around with some people in the office and maybe it's time for me to get my dispatcher certificate. <laughs> I mean it just it seems like a really a really interesting job, and uh, the the guy who runs it for us, Adam, is uh, a long career dispatcher in the cargo world, and um, brilliant guy, um, lots of experience, um, and just just sort of picking his brain about the day to day of the of dispatch, and even in you know management, going into uh, crew scheduling and management stuff like that. It's it's a it's a whole world that even I didn't know about, and I've been doing this for my whole career. So I, I know that for a lot of people, it's still sort of that. I've heard of it, but I don't understand it thing. Um, and uh, th- I'm telling you, I, I, the more I look at it, the more I'm fascinated by it. It is. It's a fascinating job. It's also challenging. And just remember, in an airline, there's two people get that plane off the ground, your, your dispatcher and also your pilot and commander, your captain. Uh, without the two of them coordinating and saying, yes, this is safe, we can go, you're not going to go anywhere. You know, interesting, Adam, uh, he actually has agreed to come on the show talking about dispatching. And uh, just if you're interested in different dispatcher jobs, we can help you, too, at Aviation Careers Podcast. If you just go to the category section and click on Dispatch, you'll see that we've had a couple people on. We talked about uh, Part 91. We talked also about airlines. And we have two of those people that have been on in the past. So uh, both uh, Michael Carrolls uh, has been on the podcast talking about the airlines or Part 121. And then we've had also Daniel Slappo on Episode 40, which is back in 2013 discussing Part 91. We also have a Part 91 person coming on, meaning corporate, who's going to come on and talk a little bit about you know what it's like to be a corporate dispatcher and uh, uh, we're also going to have a cargo person, Adam, uh, talk a little bit about that. So there's lots of good stuff out there as far as dispatch is concerned. Uh, just to, if you're looking for information on some of this stuff, it's good to look in some of the back episodes. Uh, even though we talked about it a long time ago, it's a very similar job. Some things have changed a little bit, but primarily it's the same. And like uh, Eric said, you know, you basically get to ride along. You have to ride along uh, with the pilots and the crew every so often do a fil- familiarization flight. It's so much fun to have the dispatcher in the in the jump seat because uh, sometimes we have some differences of opinion and uh, you know when we're talking to dispatchers and we kind of get the the backside of the story like hey why do you guys do that and that's why I think it's important for maybe not to get the whole license but at least get some knowledge of what a dispatcher does from an operational standpoint as a pilot I think that's super important but uh, Eric picked a really good guy Adams is just terrific and I can't wait to have him on the show. Yeah, I was really glad that he agreed to do that. I think that's um I think it'll be great to I can talk about the program and the fact that we have it and how cool I think it is. He can talk about it from a position of experience and, and a and a long term career in that field. Um and I'm I'm thrilled for him to be able to share that with everybody. Awesome, awesome, and I can't wait to uh, to see it and see how the, the program does. It's uh, been a few years coming, that's for sure, so congratulations on that. Yeah, it's interesting with Dispatch, um, unlike Part 141 or where, where we certify pilot schools or Part 147 where we certify maintenance schools, Dispatcher certification programs are approved through the airline CMO uh, agency. It's the same it's the same approval process, really, of, of getting an airline um, certificate. You work through the same Part 121 
uh, aspect of the FA, which these are people I had never met before. I, I have no context for these kinds of operations. I mean, my background, is, as you guys who've listened to our episodes before, is Part 91 and Part 135. So this was a this was a totally eye-opening experience for me just dealing with uh, the airline approval side of the world. It's a very different thing. And uh, it, yeah, it definitely took a couple of years uh, to make this happen. So we're very thrilled to get to turn it on. Also very thrilled to report that our first um, student who completed, took the knowledge test, took the practical test, passed, and received his aircraft dispatcher certificate. So, awesome. Um, we're, we're one for one so far. we got to get the rest <laughs> of these guys tested. But uh, it's all, you're always sort of just holding your breath for the first one, and it's, okay, good. The first guy passed. Everything's fine from here. So uh, we're, we're thrilled about that. Yeah, it's something I've always wanted to do. Who knows? You might see me as a student there soon. I I don't think that's a good idea, Carl. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> be in your office every day complaining. I, no, I don't. I, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I'd take enough of your time as it is. That's for sure. <laughs> I just I don't think that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think I think we're way better with the distances between us. <laughs> that's true. Even though it's, even though it's not that far, we still are pretty far away. We have to talk the, on Skype. The solid six minutes of, yeah. uh, of time of drive time. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks for that announcement, Eric. Uh, let's see other. Oh, we, you have another announcement, don't you? This is actually a really cool one. So, uh, so what's the other announcement you have? Well, you know, I mean, this is the Aviation Careers podcast, so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, job placement. Um, so, w- we at Polk State are huge believers in internships. We think that uh, classrooms absolutely serve their purpose, and they're good for what they're good for. But if you want to learn how to do a job, a classroom is really a lousy place to do that because uh, we're just sort of learning stuff out of a textbook and taking tests. And that's great for theory, but not great for practical information. So we love internships because they provide real work experience while also learning. You're also learning uh, while you're doing. Um, And we had a student who approached us uh, with a request to apply for the UPS internship program in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, As you can imagine, that is a super long shot um, ask. I think they only take 20 to 30 students a year into that program. So we're not talking about a huge uh, influx of folks. Um, and we were absolutely supportive of the student's application. Uh, thought if anybody had a shot at it, he certainly did. Um, and even though I knew he was perfectly capable of doing it, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I mean, okay, this is a, this is a one in a million shot get this. And it is. It's a flight ops internship with UPS. I mean, that on your resume is a golden ticket um, for your career. And having that experience is incredible. Um, We were shocked um, in a very happy way to find out that he actually received that internship. So Shmuel Jimenez is currently working with UPS flight ops in Louisville, um, working with the chief pilot's office, actually, um, and is getting the opportunity to go through A300 training. Uh, ground and sim, uh, just to to learn more about uh, the aircraft, its systems. He'll go through the same initial training that every pilot at at UPS will go through as part of this internship opportunity. The the best part, I guess, about it from the student's perspective is it's paid and it's a it's a very nicely paid internship opportunity. Um, but it's a year long. Um, and so this is a huge commitment from Ishmael to, you know, basically take a year off from school and to really focus on learning outside the classroom, which, again, I, I couldn't be more supportive. I couldn't be more thrilled and stoked for him. And so very, very proud 
uh, of him and his success. And I'll, I'll throw you a picture, Carl, so that you can, you can put it in the notes. So we've got him in the cockpit of a 767 and his smile is so big, his mouth is about to fall off of his face. Um, <laughs> we you know, we already so, pulled that for the show notes. I mean, he just looks so happy. Yeah, he's so thrilled. Yeah. He's so thrilled. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, that's an incredible opportunity and it, it speaks to, to his desire to, to push and to try to go the extra mile. Um, it was a very exhaustive uh, interview process to get uh, to get this opportunity. So kudos to him, and I, I cannot wait to see what comes out of this on the other side for him. Yeah, I can't wait. And we can talk a little bit about internships, but internships are so important. You said the golden ticket. The why as far as a golden ticket is the fact that you've already gone through this training. You've proven yourself at a Part 121 carrier. And just think about this. When you're an intern, you're actually interacting with the leadership at all the different airlines that you would be working for. And you probably are going to get a positive recommendation through the internship. It's very, very rare that you don't see an intern actually get hired with that airline that they do the internship with or whatever job it may be. Uh, so it it's over 90% that I've seen with the interns that I've worked with. And uh, hats off to Ish. As a matter of fact, Ish, uh, prior to going, uh, as you know, not a plug for the business, but we do interview prep. And that's actually, I helped uh, Ish do his interview prep. He worked really hard. We went through hours of getting ready for this interview. Because it, remember, it's like a regular airline interview. And it's so important, if you are looking at internships, to prepare for that. Find somebody that's already been through that interview process. Obviously, we do interview preparation at Aviation Career Podcast through our coaching uh, but if you know somebody, talk to them. But just don't go in there cold because this yeah, is treat very it important. like a real interview. It exactly. is. I mean, the recruiter is going to treat it like a real interview. They're hiring you for a position at the company. Don't think about it as an internship. As well, this is some substandard level of employment to them. It's a real job. Oh, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna claim you as an employee. You're going on their workman's compensation insurance policy. You are an employee. You're just also learning while you're working. And so, um, you know, I would definitely agree with Carl in that. Treat it, treat it like a real job interview because that's what it is. It sure is. And uh, again, hats off to you. That's a wonderful job. And uh, he also was a part of the, the flight team. All those things that he has on his resume, I think, really helped get him towards this job as an intern. Like uh, Eric said, this is not an easy position to get any internship because there are so many people that apply because many people understand that being an intern means you're probably going to get a job offer down the line. Well, who wouldn't want a letter of recommendation from the chief pilot of a 121 airline? I mean, <laughs> I would love to have one, and I'm not even looking for a job. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Anyway, hats off to Ish. I appreciate that. Uh, and also internships, they are something that are very important no matter what career field, not just flying. Uh, Eric, I think there are examples you also have of other internships, I think, uh, in management and that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, Polk has 14 internship providers in Central Florida and uh, around the U.S. Um, again, we, we believe in internships, um, whether that's at an airport or an aviation authority. Um, if that's with uh, a company, we've done several. Actually, we've done two internships uh, with a Part 135 operator in in a dispatch capacity. Um, I think that's that there is no better way to learn the job than to do it. And the fact that you can get the experience and get paid to learn 
I mean, you can understand why people will go after internships because they realize the value in it. Um, it is competitive, um, and you you do have to take it seriously. But uh, what a great feather in your cap at the end! That's for sure. Well, Eric, those are great announcements. Uh, we appreciate you bringing those forth for the podcast. But let's get on to the the regular episode here. We we want to talk about potatoes. a couple of topics. <laughs> the uh, you know what's interesting is that uh, through the coaching, I remember I was telling you, Ish went through some of the interview process. I get a lot of people ask me this one question about color blindness, and uh, really they're usually talking about color deficiency. Real quickly, Eric, I I usually point to you as an example and point to some <laughs> other the folks one who can't see as, colors as a guy. Yeah, I see colors. I, I can tell you can never match when you come to work. But uh, the uh, just lots of here. khaki, khaki, yeah, khaki works. You, know, you can't really no. go wrong with that. You cannot. But you know, you've actually lived through this, and and I tell people it's not that big of a deal. Just go ahead, work with an aviation medical examiner. There's also companies out there. One that we recommend: aviationmedicine.com, uh, aviation medical advisory services. Also, find a local AME that works with airline pilots and ask them to give you some advice as to what to do but it is a process and as an example just uh eric if you don't mind quickly just telling us what what you had and what you did to actually get this quote-unquote soda and that's not a drink is it (laughs) it would have been nicer if somebody had (laughs) served me a soda um no so i mean i started flying when i was 13 and it was pretty clear to everybody that i couldn't see color i would say that's an odd shade of blue. And they'd be like, that's not blue, that's purple. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I didn't think anything about it. Nobody mentioned the word colorblindness. I mean, I had gone to the eye doctor and had vision checks, but nobody checked for colorblindness. So when I was getting close to my 16th birthday and knowing that I wanted to solo on my 16th birthday, I went to get my medical. Um, I looked at the little colored plates and thought, hmm, those are cute. But I mean, what do you want me to look at? And the guy's like, well, what number do you see? And I'm like, you want me to count the dots? And he's like, no, there's a number in there. I'm like, I can't see a number in there. And these are the Ishihara plates. So um, so then he flips through. Can you see this one? Can you see this one? He gets the last one. I'm like, 23. I can see that one. He goes, yeah, you see 23 if you're colorblind. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I finally got one right, but it was the wrong one to get right. So <laughs> um, so I was, was am red-green color deficient. Um, I can see red and green. I just don't see it like normal people do. Um it's an interesting thing, color deficiency. If you give me an eight-pack of Crayola crayons, I can tell you what color they are, and I can see the red one and the green one, and everything's fine. When you give me a 24- or a 46-count Crayola box, I have no idea what any of those colors are. Um, it's like, that's sort of a lighter pink or a darker pink. or I mean, I have no idea. I, just, I can't discern the difference uh, in those colors, in those intermediate shades. I'm good with the primary colors, but in the shades, I get a little a little wonky. So um, at the time, the aviation medical office allowed for a certain test, which, again, was to deal with the problem that I had, which was actually the different shades of colors. I had to go to an ophthalmologist, sat down, took this test. He wrote me a letter, and I carried that to my medical exams going forward, and that was fine. Uh, then the medical office said, nope, that's not good enough anymore. And so when I went back, of course, I didn't know that. So I went in to renew my medical certificate. And they're like, yep, that one's not good anymore. We're going to take your night flying privileges. I was like, but I have had this forever and it was fine yesterday. <laughs> but so I lost my night flying privileges. And for those that have been through this process, it is a lot of not fun. So I, from the start of it, from that medical until the day I got my night flying privileges back, it took seven months. And I was a working pilot during this period of time. Wow, that's a long time. Um, Yeah, and so 
that was it was tough and I didn't I had no idea what to do and I really have to credit the folks um, at the uh, AOPA pilot resource center um, I, I did there was nowhere to go there was no aviation careers podcast back then I don't think we barely even had the internet um, and so you know I didn't know who else to call so I was an AOPA member and I, I called those guys and I said what what am I supposed to do and they were extremely helpful in pointing me in the right direction explaining to me you know this is not the end don't freak out it's okay um, and helping me understand what was required to take what what is known as the signal light test. So um, when I went to take the signal light test, I had no idea what it was I was going to do. In the entire time during my training, I had maybe seen tower light guns once, maybe twice. Um, and I'm standing at the base of a control tower um, in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're shooting the light through the window down at me, and the sun is setting against the window. I mean, I'm not saying that it was slanted against me, but I can't see colors well anyway. Um, and I, I couldn't tell. Basically, I failed the signal light test. So in the process of all of that, I was in the process of moving to Atlanta. I I knew I had to take the, the light test again. Um, and you can only take it twice, um, or you could at the time. So um, I scheduled to take the exam, but then I actually went to a couple of different control towers and had them shoot different lights at me so I could practice and say, okay, that's what green looks like. That's what white looks like. Red wasn't an issue, but the green and the white light were so close to each other. I really had a hard time telling the difference. Um, and so then we, we scheduled it. I went, I had practiced. I knew what the lights looked like and I was able to pass and I got my night flying privileges back. However, if you've spent five minutes on the internet lately, um, or you've talked to any of my students who've been in this position, a lot of students are reporting now that the FAA is requiring that the signal light test be done in an airplane um, rather than being done on the ground. Um, I have not gotten a specific and corrected answer on this. It's just a thing I have heard, and I know that there's a lot of question about that on the internet as well. Um, and so it is. it is a... Carl and I were talking about this earlier. It is a, a new uh, task, a new research project for Eric to clarify what the actual FA guidance says in the signal light test. Uh, and one of us, Carl or myself, will clarify that. And whenever we do, we will uh, provide said info. But I, I don't have a, a source to point you to uh, today, but I know that it is an issue and a lot of people are asking questions about that. And thanks for telling us that, Eric, because there's a lot of folks that get nervous about this and, you know, they have some kind of color deficiency. But as far as the actual exam and uh, the soda, that I can guarantee is going to change. As you can see, it's changed over time. So even though they may require you to do it in the airplane, that's going to change also, I'm sure, in the future. With new technologies, et cetera, uh, with new people coming in, new administration, et cetera, that will always change as far as how they go about uh, how they do a soda in just in general. Look at the people that haven't even flown yet that are looking to do a soda, that, and they have to do it in an airplane. So there's another issue. But uh, so so no matter what, it, it's something that's interesting within that field, aviation medicine, et cetera. Uh, and I hate to say this, just in general, in aviation, it can be very FISDO-specific or very regional specific. Uh, so you have to definitely discover it on your own. And that's why talking to an AME or an organization uh, like aviationmedicine.com is really good to get the skinny as to what's happening. But we'll reach out to them and we'll find out more. Uh, again, by the time we reach out and find out, they may have changed it to something else, <laughs> uh, some kind of a, a light signal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's and that's the thing you have to understand when you're talking about alternate means of compliance, because that's what a soda is. So the standard is the standard. It's always been the standard. 
there's the, the standard didn't change, but from time to time, the administrator, meaning the FAA, can change the alternate means of compliance. So the, a soda is an alternate means of compliance. What you would normally do is go into your AME, look at the little Ishihara plates, and you get your privileges as normal. That's the standard method, and there are other approved tests. And so when you go outside of that, those alternate means of compliance do change from time to time, and it's important to be um, you know, as up-to-date on those as possible. So um, that's a it is a moving target, um, but I can tell you from experience, the hardest part of taking the test was the fear of taking the test. Um, it, it terrified me. I was freaked out. And I mean, I know a lot of people are. I talk to a lot of people in this situation. Carl talks to more. Um, and there's so much concern and so much fear. And it's I, I've been through this, and I'm telling you, for having gone through it and looking back at it, it is it is nothing to be fearful of, but you do need to be prepared for it. It's like anything else. It's like any other test. You need to study. You need to know what you're walking into. But there is no reason to give up, for sure. I, I did it. I have a clean medical today. Um, but you do have to be prepared for the test to know what's required, and that just takes a little bit of homework. Um, but don't give up. Um, I would have missed out on the – coolest thing I could ever imagine I would have done if I had given up when I was 16 and they said, well, you can't see red and green, so you can't be a pilot. Um, I, I mean, well, that wasn't, it wasn't going to stop me. I, I pursued it and it took some time, but I, I was not going to stop pursuing it. And I certainly encourage all of you guys who are listening, who are in this boat, don't, don't stop. Just find the alternate means of compliance. Yeah, that's very important because what you just said, but also if you're going to come to me for advice on, on any medical, this is a medical issue, what I'm going to tell you to do is reach out to your local AME if they have experience with whatever medical issue you have, discuss that with them, and also reach out to those people that will do a consultation, you know, like those aviationmedicine.com. Those folks are terrific, and they will do it. For, I forget how much it is. It might be like $75 for a consultation. It's really worth it because they see what's going on, and, and so do we, de- we do too. Ours is empirical data. They actually talk directly with the FAA, and, know, and they know all the changes that are happening. But one thing I, I think, Eric, is very true. It's don't, don't stop. Go ahead and do it. But if you're someone who's changing careers, I would say this, and you have mouths to feed at home, make sure that you can get through this process before you decide to to quit the day job and move into aviation as a career. It's a lot different for those folks that are, say, just starting out and don't have a day job and don't have, you know, you're just in school full time. Uh, it's a little different process of making that decision. So, just and in general, there's so many different medical issues that you can have. Uh, so get the the medical done fairly quickly when you start off. In we this require process. it before training. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see you in my training airplane until you have a medical certificate because allowing you to do that is is quite frankly, I, I think it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit damaging to students for flight schools who sort of let you just, yeah, come in, just, you have to get your medical before you solo. Well, that's a lot of money to spend. If you realize that you have a, you had a condition that is disqualifying, how would you have known that? Um, you know, I, I really think that's important. Um, and so for, for Polk state, for our op specs, uh, we don't, we don't want to let you uh, begin pilot training uh, until you have that medical in hand, just because, um, 
you know, there there are other things. We're just talking about color vision. I'm also 2650 uh, with with my eyesight. So if 2020 is normal vision and 2800 is legally blind, I'm 2650 without contacts. I can't I can't see my hand in front of my face. Um, and so you know, correctable vision to 2020. Do can you get corrected? You know, were you diagnosed with uh, ADD or ADHD as a child? Have you? That's going to be something you're going to have to deal with. Um, you have a history, a family history of high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke, glaucoma. I mean, there's so many things you need to consider. And Carl and I, I'm going to speak for Carl for a second. We're not doctors. Like we don't, we don't, but we do know that this is a thing. And my advice, Carl, be the same as yours. This is, this is why we have AMEs. They are, they are the front line. They are designees of the FAA, just like a pilot examiner is to give you a pilot certificate. These are designees of the uh, FAA's aeromedical division to grant you a medical certificate. Um, and if they don't know, they know who to ask. And there are so many different companies that exist out there. And aviation medicine is a wonderful one as well um, to go to to ask these kinds of questions. Um, and, you know, we see this, Carl, I know you see this one too, you know, a, a prior DUI sometime in the past. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with my medical certificate? Well, you're not, you're not going to be able to get a medical certificate like a normal uh, person off the street provided you uh, have a DUI in your history. So you need to know what the extra requirements are going to be before you get – that doesn't mean don't do it. It just means know what's uh, going to be required before you start. And that's something that I think that we, we all don't – we look past sometimes. It could be something, you know, blood pressure, ADHD medicine, DUI, DUI, DWI, whatever you want to call it. But there's there's many things that can happen with your medical that you don't even think about. Uh, diabetes, a certain amount of diabetes you can actually work with now. It's not like the past where you couldn't actually fly ever again. It depends on what type of diabetes you have and how it's treated. There's just so many questions there. So I think the, the best thing you can do is definitely go ahead and look to as getting your first class medical before you actually do start your training. If you can't get your first class medical, they usually, or at that point, they can't issue your first class medical. They will defer your medical, and that medical will mean that it's not. They're not going to deny it because really, it's going to hand it off to the FAA, and they're going to tell you what you need to do moving forward. And that's when you you go to all these different organizations. I just mentioned the one because I work with them a lot, but there's so many things that you need to do uh, to to move forward to get that done. Just like Eric said, it could take months uh, to get your medical. And I see that quite often where someone says, oh, I'm going to get my medical tomorrow. And then six months to a year later, they finally get it. So that's that's one of the, the most important things. And if you notice, every time we do a, I do a coaching session with somebody, has a, the first five questions, you know, do you have your passport? Do you have a medical past arrests? Uh, those are the kind of things that we go through uh, right off the bat to, to make sure that you know, you are eligible for an airline type of career, any type of flying uh, career here. So, Eric, you know, this is interesting because uh, one of the things we were going to talk about, we're not going to get to in this episode uh, just because we've kind of used our allotted time, but, uh, and we're coming up with another episode about uh, do LSAs make good trainers? And Eric has some really good information about that, and we're going to have him back on to talk about that. But uh, but this whole soda 
the color deficiency, how getting your medical, et cetera. There's, there's many organizations, uh, stallion 51, and they have the, the doctor there that you can talk to. He's really good with eye issues. There's people all over the country, but my suggestion is always going to somebody who has a lot of experience helping people get their medicals back and has a lot of experience working with the doc, you know, the people that work in the airlines because they know how to keep people, uh, how to keep somebody's medical. They don't just give up. There's a lot of people out there. You have to be careful careful, even with certain organizations that will basically say, oh, no, you can't get a medical. And then you've squashed your dreams. And look at what if someone said to Eric, hey, no, you can't get your medical if you're colorblind. Well, that's not true. He actually did it. And this is how he did that. And and just be careful on what you hear on the forums, because everything does change. And what happened in the past uh, does change. And there's lots of cool things on, on YouTube, etc., to practice just what Eric was saying with the, the Ishihara uh, and all the other types of tests. Uh, but again, one of the things you really need to do is consult with somebody who's actually a doctor in AME and has this experience, not your regular medical doctor, but somebody who is an aviation medical examiner. And that's really important. Eric, man, this has been awesome having you on we had some really this is some great information that you brought to us every time you come on <laughs> you maybe i should do it more often is that what you're trying to say i'm kind of pushing um, in that direction <laughs> <laughs> i really should um i'm just really glad that it worked out you know unfortunately uh, carl you're just so flipping amazing that you're so busy too um <laughs> the odds of uh, both of us matching up at the same time for a long enough time to actually record an episode is hard to come by. So I'm, I'm thrilled for the opportunity and thanks for letting me come back in and, and, uh, and talk to the folks. Uh, one other thing I, I should mention because I, I meant to mention it earlier and just forgot, um, to all of you who came up to me and said hello at the flight sim expo in Orlando. Hi, <laughs> I was blown away. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe my photo is floating around somewhere on uh, Aviation Gears Podcast website. Um, it is. But I had, I don't know, five or six people come up to me and say, are you Eric from Aviation Gears Podcast? I mean, I used to be, <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, hello again, and thanks for thanks for checking out that show. I mean, that was uh, that was a ton of fun. I would love to go back today. Um, <laughs> was, it was uh, very educational and fun, but I just I was blown away by the number of ACP listeners that were hanging around Flight Sim Expo. Um, it was great to catch up with you guys, and uh, hopefully we get to cross paths again soon. And uh, further that, uh, sorry I didn't make it to the uh, the episode or, or the Flight Sim Expo. I know I was actually supposed to be there doing interviews, and I mentioned that to people. But uh, as you know, the airlines are having an issue <laughs> with finding pilots, and they actually asked me to come into work uh, and do some actual flying in an airplane that day, so I couldn't make it in. Uh, but uh, they paid me a little extra to do it, so I couldn't say. I was no. about to say that means that means they made it worth Carl's while. <laughs> they, and they did, and they actually did. So I'm not gonna, I'm not crying about it. But I really wish I was at Flight Sim Expo. Man, I wish the school worked that way. It's like you know, Eric, we're really gonna need you to come in this summer to help out with stuff. How about we triple your pay? Like no. I would do it. No, I would absolutely work. do it. But, uh, sadly, that doesn't work uh, in my line of work. It really doesn't. Well, gosh, Eric, this has been awesome. Uh, and of course, uh, if you look at the the 
host page. He's still one of our hosts on the Aviation Careers podcast. He just uh, and all those other hosts that come on, uh, we all have really uh, tough jobs. You know that we timing wise, it's really tough to get in the schedule. And one thing that Eric mentioned about my schedule is if you're looking to get in uh, on a career coaching session, we've kind of got a little bit booked up. I'm trying to figure out a way to do standby bookings. So if one drops off, you can actually get in there. And I think there's a way to do that in my software. Um, we haven't been using as many other coaches because a lot of people, like I said, have gotten so busy with their careers. So if you are wanting to do career coaching, make sure you look at my coaching calendar. And I, a lot of times I'm booked about a week, sometimes two weeks out or more. Uh, so if you need something immediate, there's a lot of other organizations out there that can help you out too, but I'd love to help you. I do it because I absolutely love talking to you. If it's some immediate need, yeah, then uh, there's other folks out there that can help you, and we can actually put you in touch with them. But I really appreciate it. Again, Eric, thanks again for coming, man. We're, we're definitely going to have you back on because we've got to talk about LSAs and your, your experience with them as trainers. It's one of my favorite topics in the world. I would, I would love to talk about it. We'll, we'll do that sometime soon. Awesome. If you have questions for Eric or myself or anybody else on Aviation Careers Podcast, make sure you write feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And if you want to become a guest and tell your story to those people here, uh, there's a video on how to do that. Click on the link at the bottom of the podcast here. But the most important thing, if you're somebody who's looking at a career in aviation and you're thinking about getting into it, whether you have a some type of medical issue or you're thinking about going into an internship, no matter what it is, the most important thing is to get started. Do something today to move forward in your career and your life in aviation. We really appreciate you folks listening to us. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.